Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. No podcast? No problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network. But you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have the privilege of hosting the outstanding Susan Hamilton Meyer. She's a brand strategist and visual artist and the founder of Susan Meyer Studio. In her consulting practice, she helps marketing and sales teams across the healthcare ecosystem grow their brands and envision innovative ways to electrify their work. Drawing on her work as an artist, she brings a fresh creative perspective to strategy. At the Boston Consulting Group, where Susan began her career, she became fascinated by the deep emotional connection that brands can build with consumers. She went on to work for a boutique branding agencies, focusing on customer research, product innovation, and packaging design, and has had the privilege to work with some of the world's leading corporations, including Unilever, PepsiCo, Kellogg's, Mars, Samsung, Genentech, Novartis, and more. She holds her BA in art history from Dartmouth and an MBA from Harvard, her own creative output includes paintings, sculptures, jewelry, and children. <laughs> so, Susan, uh, it's such a privilege to have you here today and uh, really excited for our conversation today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am also. Love it. Susan, you've done some incredible work around just brands and strategy. And, and, and I mean, your, your creative background certainly offers a unique perspective, but what, what's most intriguing to me and, and I feel like would be most intriguing to our listeners today is your focus on healthcare. Tell us a little bit about that and, and what sparks your interest in healthcare. So I came to healthcare as my professional focus really well into mid-career, but I've always had an interest in, you know, in my personal life and health and wellness and exercise. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm fascinated by science and med. I actually subscribe to Science Magazine like a nerd that I am. And so that has always been sort of a hobby interest of mine. I make my art about cells and biology and physics. So this has really been like a hobby interest of mine my entire life. Um, but I didn't study medicine. I didn't go into that career professionally. Um, and I was doing consumer goods branding, which is where, you know, a large part of branding work um, happens in the consumer goods world. And then a few years into starting my uh, running my own independent consultancy, I started getting work. Um, well, I started doing a lot of work when I started that business in the digital space. And work started to come for me to me in healthcare technology, which I found really exciting because I love the idea of individuals having more control over their own health. And so I started working with folks like WebMD and then Medscape and Hippocrates and Doximity. And it's one of those things where it's word of mouth and suddenly you become this mini expert in this little sliver of the field. And I, the rest is history. I, I really started to focus in healthcare. I do about 80% of my work in that space today. 
And I, I really, another thing I really enjoy about it is I, I can transfer all of that experience in branding, you know, that really sophisticated branding machine that food and beverage, you know, the Cokes and Pepsis of the world, um, they're really smart marketers. They're, you know, visually compelling. They think really deeply about their messaging and sort of learning from having those kinds of folks as my clients for, you know, 20 years. Um, I can now bring that into the healthcare space um, where, you know, they're busy coming up with amazing technology or new molecules, and they're not necessarily thinking about the world from that perspective. And I'm able to bring that into that world in, um, you know, a unique way. I think that's awesome. You know, and in healthcare, we could certainly get a lot from, you know, a lot of wisdom on how these large brands are are marketing, how areas like finance are implementing artificial intelligence and technologies. And I think your experience outside of healthcare and curiosity within healthcare is such a cool combination that I'm sure your clients benefit from. Talk to us about how you're adding value to the healthcare ecosystem with what you're doing. So um, I think one of, one of the things that I find really rich in value to clients and really rewarding for them, you know, and also fun for me, is when we go out and speak to the constituents that they are concerned with. And in healthcare, those constituents, you know, it's a, <laughs> there's many different constituents and sometimes their needs and desires are not aligned. It's a complex world. It's more complex than selling cereal to moms. And so when you actually go out, and the same rules apply as when you are selling cereals to moms, you want to go and talk to them, understand what their needs are, understand what their world is about, and then understand how you can better fit into that world and serve those needs. Um, that same thing holds true um, when you're talking about the healthcare ecosystem. Um, and so I think where you know I have the most fun and add the most value is often when I get out and talk to patients, talk to providers, talk to you know pharma, depending on what the who my client is and what the scenario is, but really understand that you know complex intersection of needs here firsthand on the ground from those folks who are you know either using a device or providers who are dealing with payers you know understanding what their actual experience is day to day and how my client can you know address their unmet needs and improve that experience yeah that's well said and being able to dig into those specific use case scenarios how we best you know approach those stakeholders, as you mentioned, you know, healthcare is so complex. There's so many stakeholders. How do you approach them? And, and, you know, what makes how you approach them different and better than what's available today? Yeah. And I think another branding challenge in that context is that as a brand, you need to be speaking in one voice with one message. And that can be really complicated when you have all these different constituents. And so that's really very much the art of branding is, um, you know, in a complex environment where you have these different stakeholders who are maybe coming at the world from different perspectives. How do you create a brand message that is not so generic that it's generic, you know, that it's meaningless, but that is a big enough umbrella to hold all of those people's, you know, needs and concerns. Yeah. You mentioned one voice, one message. 
talk to us a little bit more about that. You know, I, I feel like there's, there's an opportunity to, to peel the onion a bit on that. Yeah. I mean, I think I did work last year for a large payer. And if you think about, you know, how insurance companies work, of course, you know, perhaps one of the more complex parts of the healthcare ecosystem. And so, and we spent really a lot of time in that case, um, interviewing providers, um, medical office managers, they had already done a lot of interviews with their actual end users, um, consumers. And of course, in the background, they're thinking about regulatory and pharma, et cetera. But they were, uh, well, that was one of their key challenges is thinking about how do we come up with a message? In this case, they were specifically thinking about providers, but they were constantly checking back. And I was helping them constantly check back to think about, you know, first of all, what's kind of true to what you actually can provide. And that, by the way, I think is the key to coming up with that umbrella message that is relevant to all your stakeholders, because the first thing that's important is to go out and understand what they need and figure out how you can deliver it and what your message should be to address that. But that message can't be just telling people what they want to hear. It has to actually be grounded in something that you can actually deliver on. And this is, you know, of course, a very big issue in the insurance industry, because what people want, it's actually very hard for, for insurers to deliver on exactly what, you know, providers and, and consumers want. And so we spent a lot of time really looking then internally, after we had done that external research, looking internally at all their projects across all of their businesses. And we looked at, you know, where do we, in the work that we're doing to improve our business that touches providers, what can we point to genuinely that says, hey, we're making strides forward toward the stuff that you guys care about? And so I think that that's where once you start digging in, you know, then in the navel gazing piece um, to what's real and genuine about what you're doing, it becomes easier for that core message to bubble up that does move across. Yeah, you know what? That is relevant both to our providers and to our consumers. And guess why? Because that's part of our DNA. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you call out the importance of not just telling people what they want to hear, but being able to fulfill that. And, uh, you know, I think addressing that up front could prevent a lot of, a lot of issues on the back end. And I think companies, no matter what size they are, could often, you know, fall into this trap of, man, just get them in the door, just get them in the door. And you got to make sure that you're delivering on, on what you're promising. So th that's an, that's an awesome point to bring up. How would you say what you do has helped make business better for folks? So I think, well, I can give you a couple of examples of, you know, case studies, but I, just building on that point of the promise, um, which is relevant to the question that you've just asked, how do you make business better for folks? I mean, I think that, you know, part of how to make business better is that you are delivering on what you're promising. And one of the things that I like to say is that, you know, a promise that you make as a brand to your customers is no different, should be no different from a promise that you make as a human being to your, you know, friend, you know, your loved one. Mm -hmm. It should be something that, you know, that you really mean and that you really want to, that you really want to prop to deliver on in the very best way and that you think you're capable of delivering on and that you absolutely do not break that promise. And, you know, if we think about our brand as a, you know, in an anthropomorphized way, in, in that way, um, it can be really helpful. So what are some of the benefits of branding and, you know, how do I help uh, deliver value for clients? I mean, 
I think that the first and foremost, when they're looking to do a undertake a branding project, they're looking for typically they're looking for top line revenue growth. They're, you know, they're looking to improve either brand awareness or conversion, um, right? To sales conversion. Um, and so those are the things, you know, at, as high level objectives that they come and and or occasionally they're looking to position themselves well to be sold or, you know, to attract investors. And so those are the kinds of objectives that they come, you know, to, to someone like me with, and, and that's what we deliver on. And, you know, I've had great success with companies that position themselves well, and then, you know, were sold for many, many millions of dollars or that they, you know, experience exponential growth um, after they do this kind of holistic, uh, let's look at our brand, let's look at our messaging, and let's look at our overall marketing mix. And guess what? We are able to then capture more share and grow the business. I think, you know, so there's there's sort of the, how do you do the feel good part of, you know, we're going to make promises we can keep and we're going to keep those promises. And then how do you do the, you know, P&L part, which is that's going to translate into, you know, actual growth. There's a McKinsey study actually on, they do studies on marketing, ROI of marketing. And their study has found that businesses that actually invest in branding and brand messaging without doing any other change to their marketing spend, they experience a 10% greater top line growth. And that's branding that includes that piece of customer research, you know, listening to customers, gaining insights, and then, um, you know, putting that into their brand messaging. And I think that's, you know, that's a pretty compelling number. It is compelling. And, uh, and something for all of us to think about that branding and brand message. What are you doing about that? And, you know, uh, if the answer is not much, then maybe this time is, is the right time for you to start thinking about that, uh, for all of us to start thinking about that. Because, you know, I look at this time that we're in right now as an opportunity to take a step back and rethink your approaches. I don't know about you, Susan, but like, you know, for us this time during COVID, it's been a total change and an opportunity to reflect on things like this, you know, things that you're sharing with us today. Absolutely. I keep the word reinvention. I find myself continuously using during this time because I mean, the whole world is being reinvented. And we're reinventing the way we work and where we work and how we parent. And, you know, we're reinventing everything in our lives. Yes. And so, yes, we are and should also be reinventing our businesses. And some of those things, you know, particularly on the healthcare front are quite obvious, you know, okay, we're, you know, telemedicine, explosive growth, reinventing the way that people go to the doctor but every business in every way is thinking, oh, how do I take into account this incredibly new set of constraints, this new context that I'm operating in? I mean, look at hospitality. I mean, talk about reinvention. Have to turn the entire thing on its head. Oh, good. Okay, we're going to get into the shed building business and <laughs> figure out yeah. you know, the heat lamps and, and you know, we're going to turn a brick and mortar retail location into a delivery business. And, you know, everyone's thinking about this. It also, you know, for, for some folks, it's a, a quiet time, you know, it's a downturn in their business. And that's also a good time to take that moment to 
think about your brand, do those things that you don't have time for normally when business is, is booming and, and think about how to reinvent. I have a friend who runs a, a restaurant business and is now launching a coffee brand you know, online direct to consumer. And I think this is just interesting, like uh, the, that ingenuity of like, okay, mm-hmm. life gave me lemons and I'm going to, you know, figure out how to make something else. I'm going to go make uh, grapefruit juice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, and I think that another thing in there that you said made me think of, you know, I, I do a lot of my work with large multi-million, multi, sometimes multi-billion dollar corporations. But another thing that I've been noticing recently and actually I'm very excited about doing is working with smaller businesses, you know, as people have approached me to say, hey, can you just help me out as I go through this thinking about my brand and reinventing my brand or starting up a whole new thing uh, moment? And so I've been trying to develop a little toolkit that's, you know, a little bit more of a DIY situation based on all of the work and the the tools that I've developed over the years for use with corporate clients, all the same rules apply. If you have a couple hundred thousand dollar business or a couple billion dollar business, branding is the same, right? You're thinking about, you know, my target, um, what do they need? What are, what's their world all about and how do I fit into it? Um, You're thinking about what do I stand for? What can I uniquely offer in the world? And, you know, ultimately what is my brand promise? And so that's also been kind of fun. Well, that is fun. And um, would you say that's kind of how you've reinvented yourself during this period? Or is that something you've been doing before as well? Well, that is something that I was actually developing before Mm -hmm. this period of time, but I have found more people coming to me for that purpose in this period of time. And I think that's why, because, you know, all this upheaval. Totally. And uh, so that's just been kind of a little piece of kismet that that those two things intersected um, my wanting to do it. And then it actually kind of coming to fruition. But yeah, I think that um, reinvention, that's, that's the key word right now. Yeah. And so, you know, we get some of our best learnings out of setbacks. Susan, tell us about one of your setbacks and one of the key things that you took out of it. So I think, you know, when you run your own business, there's any number of <laughs> small daily or frequent setbacks. But, you know, I think there was a, a period of time. So I've been running my own business for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we started off, partner when I started off. And so we started off like everyone does when they start a business a little tentatively, like, will people actually pay us to do this if we hang out a shingle? And it was like from day one, gangbusters, we were super busy. We were shocked and thrilled and several years went by like that. And like, we didn't have a minute to breathe. Um, We did the branding for the, uh, you know, Obama White House. I mean, it was like amazing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden crickets Mm -hmm. and we went, okay, all right, let's keep writing proposals. You know, oh, great. We have a proposal, you know, RFP from Pepsi. Okay, we'll go now. That's a no, <laughs> you know, and it was yeah. one after the other. We just had this long dry spell and it, you know, that's a big setback. It's like this rude awakening and you go, was that all beginner's luck? Did we just, you know, already tap out all of the network that we had and now there's no more. Mm-hmm. And there was definitely a, you know, a serious 
reflection time there where we said, is this going to work? Do we want to keep doing this? And in the end we did. And (laughs) so glad that I did, but you know, there were so many moments where I was like, what am I doing? I should go get a job like everyone else. (laughs) And, um, and I'm so glad I did because what I realized, have realized you know, I've been doing this for 10 years. So maybe this is really obvious, but I am so wired to be an entrepreneur. This is, I just, I love this lifestyle. I love the freedom to create my own, you know, tools and processes and frameworks and to cherry pick the clients that I want to work with and to set my own schedule and all of those good things. And I'm actually very well suited to the like, you know, chaos and need for flexibility and Comfort with ambiguity is the phrase that BCG used to use, which I always found very charming. I'm very comfortable with ambiguity. And and I really enjoy that kind of the hunt and the chase of like, oh, am I going to get that new client? So, and I would have lost all of those things if I had gone back into a job, which I could have done, um, gone back Mm -hmm. into a job. And so, you know, I think my takeaway from that, um, you asked for a key learning, is stick with stuff. Obviously, you don't want to get stuck in a rut, but for someone like me who's like interested in lots of things and has more of a tendency to sort of be curious and bounce around, it's it's actually something I have to tell myself all the time, like stay, yeah. <laughs> invest in this, go mm-hmm. deeper, keep going, even when it's hard, even when it looks like it's falling apart, if you stay, you will be rewarded. And I had actually had a business school professor who said that to a class full of us. And we kind of looked like with our heads cocked to one side, he said, it doesn't matter what you do, just pick something, pick something and do it for 20 years and you will be wildly <laughs> successful. <laughs> and for, <you> know, <laughs> so funny. 25 years old, we're like all worrying about which career to choose. And he said, stop worrying, just pick something and do it. <laughs> and stick with it. I love it. Yeah, you know, and I think um, for anybody listening right now, myself included, I'd be just like, yup, yup. <laughs> like, I can't tell you. So I've, I've, we've, had, we've had the podcast going for a little over four years now. You know, Susan, we've done over, we've published over 600 interviews. We've, I mean, we're, we've got over 70,000 downloads. It's a great business. And I can't tell you like two or three times a year <laughs> where I will feel like you said, but I know that at the end of the day, what we're doing is, is important and it's, and it's adding value to the healthcare community. So we're here. And so I love your message. And I know that it has uh, resonated with a lot of listeners, folks stick with stuff, <laughs> just stick with it. Susan, what are you most excited about today? I am really excited about, since we're talking in the context of of healthcare and we're just talking about digital health, I am so excited to see the ways that technology is already and will continue to transform the healthcare landscape. I mean, I think this, you know, virtual visits thing is just the beginning. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's been like a, like a stopper pulled by COVID that has kind of forced or pushed or allowed, depending on where you sit in the ecosystem, but just really removed a lot of barriers to that, you know, sort of 
tech enabled virtual healthcare, you know, providing of healthcare. And I just think that there's going to be so many new innovations in that space that really improve people's lives. And I'm really excited to see where that goes. Yeah, I will second that. It's certainly a great opportunity for digital health and a lot of barriers have been removed. And what a better time than now to think about your brand and your promise. And folks, there's a a great opportunity for you to explore this with Susan. And so what we'll do here now is, is uh, Susan, leave us with the closing thought and tell the listeners where they could get in touch with you to explore the opportunity. Sure. Closing thought. So something I'm thinking about a lot right now as I'm writing my, I publish a monthly newsletter, which you can sign up for on my website if you are interested. But I, I usually pick like a theme, sort of a big theme, and then I give my thoughts about it. And um, the theme I'm writing about right now is empathy. And which, as you may have seen, is featuring prominently in the soon-to-be-new administration's messaging. Um, but it's uh, that was what spurred um, me writing about it. But it's something that I talk about all the time in branding and the importance of empathy, the importance of putting yourself into someone else's shoes, in particular, your customers or all of your stakeholders. And it's something that we often forget to do, especially if we have a really cool product, especially if we have a really cool technology or, you know, scientific breakthrough. It's so exciting to focus on that thing that you are making. And the missing link is often pull back and think about, you know, what would it feel like to be the person on the receiving end of this? And what would they care about? And what would they need to know? So... You know, and of course, outside of a business context, empathy is, you know, really what makes the world go round and and, uh, makes relationships better um, and makes us all both better and happier people. So that's my outgoing message. Well said. Folks, Susan has a ton of really interesting blogs on her site. Check it out. It's SusanMeyerStudio.com. You'll also find a link to that in the show notes of today's episode. Just go to outcomesrocket.health and you'll find that by typing in Susan Meyer in the search bar. It's M-E-I-E-R. And uh, yeah, just uh, an incredible opportunity to connect with her and uh, figure out how you could take your branding and strategy and messaging to the next level. Susan, this has been fun. Really, really appreciate you jumping on with us. Thank you so much, Saul. This was great. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.